When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. You know, there are days where voices like my own uh, feel all too uncommon, all too rare. Uh, it can be lonely out here. I don't mean that literally in the sense that I'm, I'm actually lonely. I have, I have plenty of people that I enjoy spending time with. And, and when it's all said and done, I'm more of an introvert in the first place. But when it comes to my views on the economy, on markets, etc., It can be lonely, especially on days like today or on weeks like this week where markets seem to ignore fundamentals, ignore some of these really what I believe are pressing issues that I'll be discussing today and instead continue to climb up. And and by markets, I'm mostly talking about stock markets. Of course, precious metals are down today on some of these recent news about the Chinese trade deal, or or pick your topic, whether it's Chinese trade deal, improving economic data, Fed delivering more stimulus, uh, rumors of whatever you want to call it, green shoots or or recovering global economy, whatever. There's always a a news item out there that CNBC or Bloomberg or whatever can can latch onto to push the markets up to to new all time highs, and it can get lonely. If, if that's a good term, out here in, in the alternative financial media, sort of always being the, the naysayer, maybe. I, I would prefer the term realist, borderline pessimist, with good reason. Uh, maybe another good term would be voice of reason. Right? I'm and so many others. I don't want to be like I'm, I'm the only one out here. There are plenty of other great, very intelligent voices, very intelligent individuals out here that are sharing in this duty of, of being the voice of reason. Not all that different than what I would imagine would be the voice in, in the, that, that quiet voice in, in the head of the habitual binge drinker uh, that, that speaks up after every additional drink late into the night, reminding them you'll pay for this in the morning. That's what we're here for, to, to remind the financial system that they'll pay for this in the morning, that consumers will pay for this in the morning, that the financial uh, world will ultimately uh, give back a lot of what they have taken over the last 10 years due to ever-increasing amounts of debt, financial stimulus from central banks, etc. And so what is my naysayer, voice of reason, whatever you're going to call it, message today. Well, you know, despite the fact that stocks continue to move to all-time highs, I want to focus on two very big picture items. First of all, the US debt, moving above 23 trillion dollars. Oh, I'd say in the last week or so. 23 trillion dollars is a lot of money. It's up uh, I'd say a little over 3 trillion dollars since the beginning of the Trump presidency. Um, if Trump were to stay in for well, for I'd say for the next year, which is uh, you know, basically one year, 
uh, at least to election day, I fully expect the deficit to be well over $24 trillion by the time he leaves if he only stays one term. If he does get reelected to a second term, um, I would expect the debt to be well above at least $30 trillion, probably closer to $35 trillion because of, of a recession likely to, to hit in in the next you know four or five years. Extremely likely to, probably much, much sooner. $23 trillion, though, that's a lot of money. And, and I know that there's so many in the financial world that are going to say that that doesn't matter. People have been talking about the debt for decades. They talked about it during Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush again, Reagan. It goes on and on and on about this, this deficit that never seems to matter. Well, first of all, it, it does matter a ton. But, but second of all, I, I mean, first of all, when I say it matters a ton, it's going to matter immensely when this all unravels. But beyond that, you have to understand that this deficit spending that the U.S. has been in, dating back to, to the late 90s, I mean, the late 90s, there's one year or two years there where there's a slight surplus, that, is a, that provides stimulus to the economy. Debt spending boosts economic growth. Albeit, these days, it, it stimulates it by far less than it has in the past because of the cumulative effects of, of an ever-growing pile of debt. That's how debt works. The more and more you have, the less and less effective it is to stimulate growth. But this idea that $23 trillion doesn't matter or a trillion-dollar deficit in the last fiscal year, over a trillion dollars, uh, it, it does matter. Right when you see markets at all-time highs, when you see the economy not yet officially in a recession, although we should be skeptical of those official numbers, just like we should be skeptical of China's official numbers, I'm here to remind you that that debt matters because without that deficit spending, if if fiscal year 2019 the U.S. government somehow just didn't uh, run a deficit at all and and cut spending wherever the U.S. economy would quickly plunge into a pretty deep recession. It needs that deficit spending to, to post at least lukewarm numbers in terms of GDP. The other number that I want to focus on is the Federal Reserve and, and their balance sheet, which actually recently topped $4 trillion. It's not the first time it's been... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Above $4 trillion. In fact, it was above $4 trillion for many years. Uh, 2013 or 14, it, it topped four trillion, and it stayed there until I would guess 2019, maybe late 2018, during the Fed's quantitative tightening program, where they basically did the opposite of quantitative easing. Uh, and for a short while there, it dipped below four trillion dollars. And yet, since uh, sometime in September, when this the so-called repo crisis, this dollar liquidity crisis in the U.S. markets began, the Fed balance sheet has increased by around $250 billion. That's about a month and a half. 
that has increased $250 billion due to overnight repo, term repo, and, of course, Fed the Fed's not QE program, which is basically QE. They're, they're buying treasury bills, much like they would during quantitative easing programs. And they're going to continue to do so. Now, again, why does this matter? Well, again, there will be many in, in the financial media that will say this doesn't matter. During QE 1, 2, and 3, there were a ton of naysayers that said QE was going to lead to hyperinflation or, or whatever, and, and it didn't, so why are we worrying about $250 billion? In the whole scheme of things, that's not a whole lot of, of an increase in the Fed balance sheet. Well, first of all, again, much like with the U.S. debt, or, or any country's debt, I would wager that it does matter a lot, and it will over the long term. But But second of all, that without that stimulus from the Federal Reserve, where would the U.S. economy and the U.S. financial system be today? What would have happened if the Fed had continued quantitative tightening or even just kept their balance sheet level and not engaged in the repo operations, the, the restart of quantitative easing, all of that? What would have happened then? Uh, well, we'd be in a pretty tough spot today, right? The financial, we'd be in the midst of probably a financial crisis, if the Fed hadn't provided that liquidity. So it is important, these these items. And we have to remind ourselves that despite the fact that the U.S. economy appears to be, well, at least not being in recession right now, despite the fact that we have new all-time highs in the U.S. stocks, despite the fact that the global economy hasn't fully fallen apart, we have to remind ourselves of what it continues to take to keep the markets and the economy at this level. I'm talking about record low interest rates across the board. With the exception of the Federal Reserve, basically every other major central bank out there continues to keep their interest rates at extremely low, I'd say ultra low levels. The Fed is still at extremely low levels, recently dropping under 2% for their Fed funds rate. Uh, rates like, like uh, treasury bond yields, which, by the way, is just destroying savers and, and future retirees, current retirees, pension funds, all of that. Those low rates, I'm talking negative in a lot of countries. That is another piece of this equation of, of what it takes to keep the economy at its current position. The ECB has, has undergone countless rounds of quantita- quantitative easing. So has the Federal Reserve here in the United States. So is the Bank of Japan. The People's Bank of China continues to have to engage in easing policies year after year. And in fact, this year, they haven't done as much in the past, though they have um, engaged in some easing uh, uh, policies. And and guess what? All of a sudden, China's financial system is, is looking like it's in a very precarious position. China's economy and a lot of the economic indicators are faltering. Right? That is what it takes. It, it, it continues to take exceptional measures to just keep the global economy afloat. But these exceptional measures, whether it's deficit spending or ultra-easy policy by central banks, uh, there's only so long that they continue, can, can, can continue uh, with these policies before they, they ultimately become more and more detrimental to the economy. And, and that's what we're seeing right now. For instance, in China, earlier this year, they had a massive round of social financing to, to help boost economic growth, and it did, but a heck of a lot less than it did in the past. 
that debt is providing less and less economic growth. And I would argue that the same is true in the United States. In fact, in future podcasts, I'd like to back that up with some numbers. Or you can look at low interest rates and quantitative easing. That has led to a system of what many have termed financial repression, where rates are are ultra, ultra low, not just central bank rates, but treasury yields. And, And even commercial debt is crazy low in terms of its yields. That destroys returns for investors and savers. Right? I think it was uh, over on the McIlvaney uh, weekly commentary that they pointed out that we're in this strange world today where a large amount of investors are looking to stocks for income and treasuries for uh, appreciation in price. Right, Where people are looking at dividend stocks to own and they're looking at treasury bonds, whether it's German, U.S., Austrian, whatever, for the price to go up. Because why else would you buy a bond that's currently negative yielding? It's a crazy world that we live in. And it continues to require exceptional stimulus just to keep things afloat. That's my voice of reason. That's my uh, reminder for the day. As always, I want to remind you guys that you guys make it a lot less lonely here in this this space uh, again, in my personal life, don't feel bad for me. I'm not lonely. But but in this space, um, the alternative financial media, I know that there's only so many voices out there that, that understand this voice of, of reason. Um, it's all too easy to get caught up in, in the latest bubble, the latest move up in the stock market, the latest uh, hot tech company, whatever. Uh, but, but let's not kid ourselves. Let's not um, um, pretend that this is all healthy economic growth, healthy market growth. It's all fueled by by stimulus that that ultimately is not sustainable. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to today's podcast and God bless.